Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. To those guests who've just joined us, welcome. Our next stop is the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, we are approaching our station at the entrance to Main Street, USA, gateway to the seven theme lands of the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard the Monday Morning Monorail. This is May the 7th, 2018, and this is episode number three of the Monday Morning Monorail podcast. I am Justin Krutzinger, and beside me is... Samantha Krutzinger. My co-pilot and co... I don't want to say co-host because you're more than a co-host, you're also a host. True. Right? I am. I want to say welcome back to the show. Thanks for sticking with us through these first three. I hope you've enjoyed them so far. Today, we are actually kicking off the show in earnest. For our first actual show, we're going to start the month of May by talking about the events calendar in Walt Disney World. We're also going to talk about the refurbishment schedule. Easy for me to say. Skeletons. Yeah, refurbishment skeletons that are running Mm -hmm. around. That's that's actually how they actually fix the rides up. They actually release a bunch of skeletons in the park. I mean, I'd go to the park just for that. Well, they do it after hours. You never Uh, get to see the skeletons. Too bad. These are the skeletons that people donate, like their bodies to science. Oh, I'm in. And then it's free labor. Yeah. It's really really good. Yeah. But Disney's a magical place. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Refurbishment skeletons. (laughs) Anyways. (laughs) Well, I wonder how they do all those things overnight. And it's got to be that they have an army of skeletons. I mean. Yeah, it has to be. They have. Just for. From Princess and the Frog, they have a voodoo dude. Yeah. Dr. Vasilier, is that his name? What about the mama witch, the lady? Mama Odie? Mama Odie. She's she's all about doing some good magic. Well, she's the good magic, yeah. Yeah. I guess this would kind of be good magic. It would because it's making people's lives yeah. better. We need some skeletons to do some refurbishment around here to come to think of it. Can they clean my backyard? So anyway, so we're going to talk about that. Then we'll have a couple of news and notes items. Then we will have a break. Our next stop on the tour is M34D with Landon Doan in the middle of the show. And then we will wrap up with our community board message. I don't know what we're going to call the last piece. We need to come up with a name for it. Maybe maybe our listeners or followers on Twitter can help us come up with a cool name for the last segment. Yeah, definitely. Help us out, people. Yeah, where it's going to be all interactive. Sounds good. Getting the feedback from you all, giving shout-outs, answering questions. Like I said, we're not experts, but I'll tell you this. I love doing research, and if I can do research on Walt Disney World, pff, forget it. I'm going to be useless at work because I'll be sitting doing a lot of Disney research. Make sure you erase that so you don't get fired. No, they don't listen to anything I record. <laughs> um, <laughs> let us start with the events calendar for May, and there are a few things going on. One of them is that the Epcot International Flower and Garden Festival is going to continue until May 28th. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, so it's all those fancy topiaries that you might see around Epcot. 
So I once read an article of how much it costs for Disney to operate day to day, and it's quite significant, but I can't remember the number. But Thanks for bringing these hard-hitting facts to the show. I would just like to say <laughs> their flower budget is huge. Oh, yeah. And especially during this. I mean, it goes through the roof. Yeah. It's, Sorry, it's, I don't have numbers. No, it's okay. Part of it, of course, is the flowers and the topiaries and all that. But they also have the Garden Rocks concert series, the outdoor kitchens where they get to bring in like celebrity chefs and teach you how to cook and do things like that. I'm in. Garden Rocks dining packages. The, of course, they always have special merchandise for all their festivals and things that they do. I was going to take a look and see if they actually had a schedule for the, the concerts. Oh, here we go. We do. Okay. Looking into the month of May, if if you are so lucky, oh my gosh, you all just missed this unless you go today. Herman's Hermits is uh, performing, known for Henry VIII I Am, if you know that song. Oh my. Yeah, I was actually talking about that song at work just the other day. Coming May 11th and 12th, The Village People. I mean, everyone loves some YMCA. Yeah. Don Felder, formerly of the Eagles, will be there May 13th and 14th. Is he going to sing Eagles songs is the real question. Well, it says, I would assume he will. He's going to, that, that puts on here known for Hotel California. So I imagine they can't be promoting it that way if he's not going to do Eagles songs. We'll see. I guess they could. And then the Guess Who, May 18th and 21st. And then wrapping it up will be the Spinners, May 25th to 28th. Now, that would be fun. Working my way back to you, babe. Right? That's a good one. (laughs) Do it. Take it. No. But they had some interesting bands. A lot of it was old stuff like Starship, Night Ranger, Fog Hats, Smash Mouth. (laughs) We we missed out on all those. Smash Mouth was there in uh, April, April 13th. I would like for McKenna to sing her Smash Mouth song. Oh, yeah. One day she, on this podcast. She was the queen of misheard lyrics on that one. That was pretty epic on, on All Star for sure. So, anyway, all of that stuff going on, Flower and Garden. And, you know, part of the thing they do is they, the outdoor kitchens, they have special like food for the Flower and Garden Festival. People sometimes say it's like a mini food and wine um, that goes on during that time. So. Anything that has special food, mm-hmm. I'm totally in on it. I'm a huge foodie, <laughs> and one of the things that I think Disney has done right is food. Whenever you go there, not everywhere has amazing food, but you can find amazing food if you do your research before you go. May 27th is Star Wars Galactic Nights. This is a one-night party. Tickets are, they start at $129 per ticket. Adults are $129, and, and um children are 124 if i remember right that gets you access starting at seven o'clock to disney's hollywood studios until midnight Um, so five hours with a very reduced crowd all the attractions are going to be open they're going to have kind of a red carpet people are encouraged to wear costumes of course you can't wear masks That's that's so cool though that's not allowed but they will have kind of a red carpet. They're going to do kind of a, a panel discussion for Star Wars Galaxy's Edge. So you get to go be a part of that, kind of in the anticipation of that area opening up next year. Of course, Star Tours will be open all night. There's going to be special food yes. as part of this event. And they've got a few different things. There's like a tasting and viewing package that you can get. They say delicious Star Wars themed bites and beverages are yours to saber at various locations throughout the park. Saber. Yeah, within the galactic testing and viewing package, you can select five of the evening's food or beverage items to indulge in and enjoy reserved seating to inside Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, which is that panel discussion we talked about. So they have to have blue milk 
And yeah. I would think that it would be like a sweet blueberry flavored milk. And I think that sounds good because strawberry, strawberry milk is really good. I don't see anywhere in the notes that it mentions blue milk, but I, I can guarantee you that when Galaxy's Edge opens that the cantina is going to serve up blue milk. That for sure is going to happen. I'm definitely trying it and then having a bellyache after. <laughs> <laughs> I should say they're going to wrap up the evening with a very special Star Wars Galactic Spectacular with some of that projection show on the Grauman's Chinese Theater and then a special fireworks display. So all choreographed to Star Wars music. Nice. Um, I didn't even mention the special meet and greet encounters. You know, this is another opportunity where I would get to meet Chewbacca and give him a big furry hug. Someday, I'm going to give Chewie a big hug. It's going to happen. We'll make it happen. Yeah. And I want to meet Captain Phasma. Here are the specific ones that you can meet and get your picture with. BB-8, Kylo Ren, Chewbacca, Darth Vader, Rey, Captain nice. Phasma, the Seventh Sister, and AWR Troopers. They should definitely think about getting Donnie Yen to come out because I want to meet him personally and his character <laughs> that would be pretty cool but so far he's not on the schedule so those are the events coming up in may if you get to go to the party i'm very jealous of you i would love to hear about it this would be a great opportunity for you to call the voicemail and let me live vicariously through your experience did i even give the number out on the last show i think i did you did i did but i want to do it again we'll do that later on because I do want to hear about it. We'll talk about refurbishments now. There's a few things that are going to be down for the month of May, some of them longer. In the Magic Kingdom, the incredible Tomorrowland Expo is closed starting on the 1st of May, and it will reopen the 25th. Stitch's Great Escape has been closed since January. The reopening date is still yet undisclosed. I don't know that that ride's going to reopen. You know, I didn't think it was such a bad ride. I hate that they've had to close it. I know it was scary to kids, but it was... It was kind of interesting. People hate that ride. It was okay. I know people hate it, but come on, people, lighten up. You like the you like the hot dog burp in your face? Is that one of your favorites? No, that was actually <laughs> really gross. <laughs> it's the thing is, I like Stitch as a character, and it's unfortunate that they haven't found a better way to use him in the parks. I do wish there was a a way that they could make a Stitch attraction that was actually fun and kind of fit in and that, something that people wanted. Here's the problem. I actually liked the extraterrestrial alien encounter that was there before Stitch. Yes, it was scary. Yes, it probably didn't fit into what Walt would have wanted in his Magic Kingdom park. But I thought it was a cool ride, and I'm kind of sad it's gone. I never experienced that. For me, I know the Stitch thing was a little gross and not that... It, I mean, having him sneeze on you and stuff was kind of gross. But Stitch was a rebellious character, and he didn't do what he was supposed to do. So it's part of it, and it just kind of, I feel like it was what Stitch, you know, is supposed to be. Mm -hmm. So when that ride was doing those things, and he's jumping on you, and sneezing on you, and burping, and yeah, it's gross, but that's Stitch. I don't know. Lots of people don't like it. I think you're I in know, the minority on that one. I, I've heard. The Liberty Square Riverboat is also not in operation in the Magic Kingdom, and that is expected to open in July, the end of July. So that's coming back. Epcot, nothing much on the schedule here. The Kingrela Bakery OG or Og Cafe, I don't even know how you say that, 
is closed still. It actually closed in February and it will reopen in the summer. Hollywood Studios, half of that park has been closed. They don't really list anything specifically, but as they developed Galaxy's Edge, like it ate up a lot of things. Toy Story Land's opening in, uh, coming up in June, Yeah. Uh, but it's not going to be open in May. And then in the Animal Kingdom, the Festival of the Lion King will be closed on the 9th and will reopen on the 10th. So that just sounds like regular maintenance. They got they got to get their refurbishment skeletons in there yeah. and get things cleaned up. Those are the refurbishments that we can talk about now. Luckily, there's not that much. A few little news and note items that I wanted to talk about. One of them was at the Animal Kingdom Park. They just now kicked off the new bird show, replacing Flights of Wonder. It's now up a great bird adventure. It's still a bird show, but they've incorporated characters from Up. It's kind of a whole new story. Kevin? I don't think Kevin makes an appearance. That's too bad. Um, the Disney website has, an, has a news release that gives us six wild facts about the new show. One of them is that the show is led by an avian enthusiast and bird experts. It's a unique experience featuring a close-up look at bird specimen from South America, North America, India, Africa, and other locations around the globe. Well... That's kind of like Flights of Wonder was. More than 15 species of birds make appearances. This is the first time that Russell and Doug from Up appear on stage. So Doug's there. Okay, the dog is not a bird. That's right, not a bird. An original authentic Indian musical score featuring themes from Up is part of the show. 20 animal trainers were involved in training and rehearsal that brought the show to the stage. And there are four trainers that actually work with the birds and actors during the performance. The idea is to try to showcase the up characters and, and still, you know, feature birds. I haven't seen it yet. I don't know that much about it, obviously. I have heard people are somewhat disappointed with this show. Um, they feel like Flights of Wonder really didn't need to get replaced, that it was a, a good show as it was. This, to me, was Disney trying to find a way to incorporate up characters into the park somewhere. But you can kind of understand why they're doing that. Any kind of change is hard to take whenever you go somewhere and you're expecting it to be a certain way and it's another. But to someone who has never been before, would it be something that they walk away disappointed? Maybe not. If you'd never seen it, you wouldn't know the difference. I don't know. I, I guess that's a good point. Nobody likes when something changes. You know, you're right. Uh, people don't like change typically. But one thing that happens in the parks, and especially at, Dis at Walt Disney World, is things change all the time. Things evolve. Things get upgraded. I think there are some things that are somewhat sacred and won't be touched for the most part. But I, I say that knowing that there have been major changes to Pirates in the last few years. So I just think it's kind of one of those things. But you're always going to have your curmudgeons. I'm a curmudgeon. I don't want things to change. We talked about it on the last uh, you know, episode one. I, I hope they never change the Tower of Terror. Well, I will tell you, I hope they never change that as well because Twilight Zone is amazing and I don't want them because Twilight Zone's getting older and I don't want it to disappear. Of course, the shows will always be around, but Disney having it in their parks really keeps it in people's minds and it's just, it's brilliant, you know? Rob Serling created something that people today make movies off of and he's an inspiration and just like Walt Disney was an inspiration so is he so we can't forget that so that's why they can't ever change it Disney <laughs> I'm sure they're listening 
They're listening. I'm sad McKenna's not here to be part of this news. This is in the California Adventure Park, but I wanted to share it just because I feel like it's hard not to laugh when you know this is happening. And maybe this is something that'll come to the um, over to the East Coast eventually. At California Adventure, as part of the Pixar Pier, they have opened the adorable snowman frosted treats. And of course, they are selling yellow ice cream, lemon flavored, mind you. Mm. Yeah, don't worry, yellow, it's lemon. Yellow snow. Early reports are that this is something that could rival Dole Whip. Um, please do, because I cannot enjoy that tasty treat that everyone talks about. I have a pineapple allergy, and I am not allowed to eat Dole Whip. Yeah. Yeah, you get to miss out on that one. Have to. But I have a suggestion. Mm -hmm. So, I believe Disney should really consider incorporating mango in, as an option to their Dole Whip. I can eat mango, um, and it's a tropical fruit. It would make sense, and I really want to know what this tastes like without going into shock. <laughs> I feel like we've had mango at like yogurt places we've been to. I bet it would be pretty similar. It would. Yeah. It'd be. It'd be great. Yeah. And it would be at Disney. Yeah. Here's something that I know you'll be interested in. Disney Parks tweeted something out back on May 1st. They are actually kicking off a bourbon trail. At Disney Springs. Yes. Yeah. I'm in. So this is a limited time thing, but for those guests that are age 21 and older, you can partake in a unique, in unique beverages and food pairings all around. And, and it looks like almost all, nearly all of the restaurants or bars are participating in this. Say you go to somewhere like Splitsville, and they're going to have a food suggestion and then drinks that would be paired with that. One of them would be the Trifecta, a stirred concoction of Old Forester 100, Carpano Antica Vermouth, and Benedictine and Pimento Dram. That sounds great. And then that would be paired with the barbecue chicken pizza. And this, is, this goes all over the place. So Bongo's is part of it, Planet Hollywood, STK, Enzo's Hideaway. And yeah. something with bacon. <laughs> that looks like that's at the Edison. Yeah, it's so this one, this recommendation is Peach Tree Downs, a refreshing peach mint julep with a nutty pecan finish featuring Knob Creek bourbon and Old Camp Peach Pecan Whiskey yes. with a rich, sweet, woody, full-bodied, and almost fruity flavor and aromas of toasted nuts, grain, and oak. And that is paired with the DB Clothesline Candied Bacon. So my mouth is actually watering right <laughs> maple, now. Maple and black pepper infused bacon served with a sour pickle. And I will tell you that bourbon and bacon go very well together. It's a nice mix. Yeah. You couldn't do this all in one night. It's not possible, but... Uh, but challenge accepted. Because <laughs> there are actually 18, 18 different establishments that are participating in the bourbon trail. I say we give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a long night. Well, maybe a long next day. Exactly. That's something that I, I think they're going to be doing a lot more of this kind of thing at Disney Springs now that they've kind of changed that whole environment. You know, when we went to, when we went down to Disney for our last trip, it was really kind of, it was like right when they were kind of wrapping up the old downtown Disney and they had just started construction on what was going to become Disney Springs and we could kind of see there were a lot of walls around and they right. had like plans up and things like that so unfortunately we haven't gotten to experience what it's like now but what people say is that it's almost like another park like you want to spend all day there now 
And it, I don't think that was always necessarily the case. So Take me back to Disney. Yeah. I'm pretty sure this podcast is just going to make me think about Disney 24-7. Ah, then my plan is working. It's not a good plan because I'm going to make this happen really fast. <laughs> One of the things I think is kind of cool, and this is back in Animal Kingdom, they have debuted this new walk-around character, which is the Pandora Utility Suit. And if you haven't seen this thing, it, it kind of reminds you of Alien. So it's a dude sitting in a big mech. And he can move like the arms and legs. It's a big robot, but there's a little dude sitting in a cage operating it. It's pretty cool looking. I think I need one of those to uh, control our children sometimes. <laughs> can I help. purchase this suit from Disney? Uh, I don't think it's for sale. Dang. But it is pretty cool. We're kind of going long for this first episode, but the last thing that I want to mention is something that came out just this... Well, for us, it was this past week. It's now almost been two weeks ago. News is breaking, or it's starting to break, that finally, after many, many, many years, the current monorails that are in operation at the Walt Disney World Resort are going to be replaced and upgraded. And they've desperately needed it. And I think that their hand was kind of forced. Um, in recent news, I don't know if you saw this, but... There was a monorail going to Epcot where the doors were just open the whole time. Oh, no. There, it was one car, one of the cars, and the doors were just open. There are pictures of it. You can see them online. So at this point, oh Disney's like, yeah, we might need to replace some old machinery. So Bob Gurr was having a conversation at a Disney panel recently. And as part of that, he seems to have confirmed that the Mark VI monorails are, are going to be retired and they've already started the process of ordering the new monorails. Are the they parks. doing the hover rail? No. No, they're not going to they're not going to do hover rails because I don't think that the current concrete infrastructure would support such a thing. Ah, oh, those hover rails look really cool. They would be cool, and it would be like Disney to have something like that cuz that would be pretty cutting edge, but no, I don't think they're going to do that. They, it's He says, or at least the, the news that I've seen, say that they are working with the company that made the current monorails, which is Bombardier. So it's probably, you know, this isn't going to be something that happens in the next year or so, but sometime soon. It sounds like they may have a potential liability, and they might need to do it sooner than rather than later. Right, yeah. They got to take care of that sort of thing. So I feel like that news was appropriate for the show. We are the Monday Morning Monorail, and I feel like this was a nice little cherry on top of the news for the week. Monorail news. Monorail news is pretty cool. Yeah. I love the monorails, personally. I mean, I wouldn't have named the show after them if I didn't, but I would say that, for me, you don't even have to go in the parks to ride one of my favorite rides, which is riding the monorails. It's just awesome. Maybe part of that is that I know they're taking me to parks that I love, and it's just the anticipation, but... Come on. I mean, it's a pretty amazing transportation system. They, maybe they're not the most efficient and effective thing to get everybody out of the parks and get them back where they need to go. But when you're going in the morning, you get there early and you get to be on one of those monorails going around as the sun's coming up. You see the the castle in the distance. Maybe you see Space Mountain. It's pretty so awesome. I like the monorail. I love them. But I don't know if I love it like you do. <laughs> That's okay. But I also lived in an area where I rode a metro quite frequently. Well, I guess that's fair. We don't really have mass transit here in Knoxville quite like that, so it was a pretty unique experience. But even so, the monorail is different than a subway or a metro. True. It yeah. is. You're right. You don't get the cool voiceovers. All you hear is, <laughs> and then you're that's supposed to tell you that the next stop is where you need to be. Exactly. It was always fun trying to get around. 
So that's going to wrap up our news and notes section this week. I think this would be a good time to take a break. Our next stop, M34D. Stay with us. The ladies love it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Monday Morning Monorail. This is the Disney Deep Dive with the Dawes. Joining me for M34D is, of course, one Landon Doan. Landon, welcome to the show. Hi. Doing all right tonight or today, wherever you're listening? (laughs) I hope they are. I know I am, and I hope you are too. Landon, this is our very first special segment, our first spotlight. And we could have picked, we had so much to choose from. I mean, so much. So much. A few attractions, a few rides. There were some options, is all I'm saying. But we thought pretty hard about this, and we think that, I don't want to speak for you, but I think we came up with the perfect attraction slash ride to feature on our very first M34D. Why don't you set it up and tell the people what we're going to be talking about? Since this is the very first edition of M34D, nailed it, uh, it's only appropriate that we start with a day one attraction and one that Walt himself was super passionate about, him being a lifelong train enthusiast. We're talking about the Walt Disney World Railroad. Woo woo! Yep, all aboard the fun train. <laughs> That's right. And It's uh, a 20-minute ride, but it feels like a lifetime. <laughs> well, when you get back, I'm pretty sure the narrator tells you you've been riding for three days. <laughs> so uh, if, if you happen to fall asleep on that ride, which is a real possibility because it's kind of relaxing, you got a breeze in your face, you might wake Especially up. in that Florida heat. And, yeah. and, and maybe, maybe you had a lunch over at Be Our Guest, had a couple of drinks. You hop on the train. <laughs> And the next thing you know, they're telling you it's been three days. I mean, you might be you might be checking your email or something to see if you got fired from work. Yeah, sir, your day or your day hopper pass has expired two days ago. Get out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or spend more money. Welcome to Disney. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, Walt had a passion for railroads. In fact, he actually built a one eighth scale train in his backyard, the Carrollwood mm-hmm. Pacific Railroad. Um, it back in 1950 because he loved trains so much. It was actually a little steam-powered uh, locomotive that, that went around his backyard, which was, I don't know about you, but that sounds like, we, we have a train that goes around the mall uh, here in Knoxville, and I'm, I'm just not, I'm not so much into that. I, I, don't, I couldn't fit into those tiny little cars. I'm pretty sure I would, <laughs> I would, I would squeeze myself into a one-eighth size train in Walt Disney's backyard. That sounds like a lot of fun. Absolutely. Well, it, we say it sounds like a lot of fun, but you have to imagine that would annoy the neighbors at some point. Like, <laughs> would Walt get off of his train? It's 1130 at night. Nobody needs to hear that conductor whistle, Walt. <laughs> but but yeah, doing some research for this, I had no idea that Walt was such a train enthusiast. And that love of trains is really what inspired him to go from the one eighth scale to the full-blown steam engine that you see running at Walt Disney World to this day. Yeah, some would say that Disneyland was initially built to be Walt's life-size train set. And I don't necessarily disagree with them. (laughs) I mean, it's really hard to disagree with them, especially with with what the railroad itself is. I mean, it's a tour around the property of Walt Disney, and from far away, those things could look like scale model buildings. Exactly. Through all the different lands. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a lot of truth to it. And I love the fact that this little piece of Walt has 
left its thumbprint on every single Magic Kingdom park around the world. I love that they've stuck with that. There's a lot of things that they've had to change in some of the Magic Kingdoms that are overseas, but one of the things that's true is every single one of them has a, a railroad, which is pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And I think that's very cool because off the top of your head, you probably don't know this, but what are the other things that are just uniform across every Disney property across the world? I yeah. mean, it, it can't be that many. There aren't that many. And, and you can't even say Main Street because in the other countries, they have a form of Main Street, but it's different. You know, it's it's not the same thing because turn of the century America does not resonate quite as much <laughs> in Japan or China as it would here. Yeah, probably doesn't go over huge at Tokyo Disney. Right, exactly. So so they do things a little bit differently. And and then sometimes culturally, some of the rides don't make a lot of sense. Um, like, for example, I know Haunted Mansion is not available at the, the Chinese parks uh, because the ghost thing is, is handled a little bit differently overseas, mm. and especially in that country culturally. So, oh, very much so. Yeah, so, uh, so it is different. But, but the trains remain. They, they are universal. And I think that's cool, and especially it's like there are four restored working uh, steam train engines to this day. And you talk about how it how it just has Walt's thumbprint and enthusiasm in them. Even the names of these four trains have Walt's uh, love and craft in it. You have Walter E. Disney, you have Lily Bell, you have Roy O. Disney. And then this is a shout out to a non-Disney, you know, uh, family member, Roger E. Brogy, who uh, was the original Imagineer who led the railroad project at the Walt Disney World Resort. I think that's cool that Walt yeah. even gave a shout out to somebody else who was just as enthused about the railroad as he was. Absolutely. Uh, so Roger E. Brogy was actually involved in the design of the Disneyland train as well. And so, of course, it made sense when uh, WED went to build or WED went to build the uh, Walt Disney World Railroad that wait, wait, wait. They, wed yeah wed wed oh boy <laughs> but that's what they call it. it's wed wed enterprises or wed industries whatever they called it but uh but that they left him in charge of of creating the walt disney world Rail railroad and he brought some learnings from the disneyland experience along when he decided to uh you know implement this for the magic kingdom park in orlando and one of the things that he decided not to do was build those steam engines from scratch which is what they did for Disneyland. And that was way too much work and way too difficult to, to do again. So <laughs> as you said, the, the engines that we have in Orlando are actually salvaged uh, from a, their, um, they were found in a boneyard in Yucatan, Mexico. They were picked up, and this was back in 1969, I believe, when they, when they located these particular steam engines. They refurbished them and brought them to Orlando to, to lead the, the trains there. Yeah, very cool. And again, like like we go back to just the magic and, and of Disney and the care of Walt. And it's a testament to Walt that it, this ride is only, and I say only in the relative uh, terms, it's only a mile and a half, but the way it's built and the way it's sold to you, it makes you feel like you're truly on this grand expedition, but oh, by the way, 20 minutes later, it's over, but it doesn't feel that way. Because I mean, you get to see pretty much the entire park, and oh, by the way, it's a great way to get around the park with three, with three stops, one at Main Street USA, one in Frontierland, and one in Fantasyland. So not only can you get around the park and not have to, you know, fight the mob of people, you get to see Disney from a view you wouldn't normally be able to see. Absolutely. 
Yeah, you get a lot. Of, you get a little bit of a different perspective on the train. Um, some of it is really backstage, but a lot of it they have some. You know, they do a good job with their trees, their camo, and things, so you can't see mm-hmm. too much. You don't want to get behind and uh, ruin some of the magic for people. But but they, it's not just seeing the park. There there are some things that you get to see on the train that you don't see. Uh, from the park side, uh, for example, once you leave the Fronta- Frontierland station and you start rolling towards Fantasyland, you pass a few scenes that are set up to show you Native American settlements and and there's some you know some animals that you might see that probably are more still than you would expect a regular animal to be. <laughs> um, but but that's pretty cool too, and that stuff's still there, um, and and it's it's just to add to that experience that you're talking about of kind of taking a train as part of the American movement to settle the West. Um, and that, and that's really part of the story they tell you on the train through the narration. Well, absolutely. Talk about the using the train to move through America's growing. It uh, starts in Main Street. It takes you to Frontierland. And oh, by the way, technology and progress moves you into Fantasyland. So, yeah, I mean, not only is the narration telling you that story, just the placement of the of the stations themselves, I think, also tell you that story. Absolutely. I found out today I didn't know this because my first trip to Disney, Walt Disney World would have been after the Fantasyland station opened. But when the train initially took its first passenger passengers for the Grand Circle Tour, there was only the Main Street Station, and it really was just a trip around the park. Um, I actually I did not know that uh, that it started that way, and that the, the Frontierland Station didn't open until May of 72, so it was really just a, a, about a year, um, and then they had that station, and then the Fantasyland Station opened for the first time in June of 1988. So... Like I said, by the time that I went, because I don't think I went before I was six, um, but I may have. But by the time I went and could remember it, there were three stops on that on that train. And what one thing I like about that is that while we've talked about Walt having this passion for trains, he had kind of a general pass, passion for transportation. And it's something that you're going to see. It's, it's going to be a continuing theme as we focus on some of these other rides and, and attractions. But um, th- so when you added the stations around the park, it transformed that attraction to not just be a mode of entertainment and relaxation where people might be taking a nap and getting a breeze in their face. It actually is a option for transportation around the park now, which Mm -hmm. I I think that's something that, that Walt would have appreciated. Oh, absolutely. And, and we'll get into this, I think here in a little bit, the next time I go back as an adult, I am definitely going to use the railroad station to get around the park because as an adult, I haven't experienced this ride. I, I've only been able to ride it as a, you know, small land. And so, uh, so I would be interested to go back and, you know, see it as an adult and also be like, okay, I really don't want to hoof it all the way over to Fantasyland from Frontierland. So I'm just going to, you know, wait four to 10 minutes because that's how often those trains run every four to 10 minutes. And I'm just going to ride that all the way onto the other side of the park. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we can get into our personal stories, but first I want to throw out a couple more facts, and you might have a couple as well. One of the things I learned is that the steam engines, when they were being refurbished, they actually changed the fireboxes and converted them to burn diesel oil. So so they, they still use water and still use steam to actually do the mechanical functions of the engine, but, but now they burn diesel, not wood or coal. Um, and, and apparently... Um, when working on the line, the locomotives consume 25 gallons of fuel and 200 gallons of water per hour. So, 
Wow. Yeah, so that's kind of interesting. Um, if you go watch YouTube, there's a video, uh, and I think the one that I saw recently was from 2011, but there's a video of the railroad stopping at the Fantasyland tra- station, and, and the narration tells you that they just need to top off the water. The, cha- the thing is, there's a water tower there, and I need to do a little more research on this, but it really does look like they are topping off the water for the engine when they stop there. So there's actually a function um, be you know, so that they can keep the trains moving. It makes a lot of sense. They don't have to take them off the line, and they can do it at a station. So, Well, absolutely, especially when you say they burn 100 gallons of water an hour. Two, 200, yeah. Make Two, full, yeah. yeah. So, I mean... I would imagine that that the water tower is at least somewhat operational because, like you said, it doesn't take the train out of commission. It can keep it moving along, and oh, by the way, it adds to the to the feel of it too. I mean, cool. They're topping it. They're topping it off with a water tower. How sweet is that? Yeah, pretty awesome. Did you have any facts before we get into our personal experiences? Yeah, fun little factoid. Uh, I, I talked about uh, how Walt gave a shout out to. Um, to uh, Roger E. Broggy uh, naming one of the trains after him, but apparently uh, Walt also had a little bit of uh, you know loyalty or let this person stay in this spot because he was doing such a great job. George Britton uh, was an, uh, was instrumental in getting the railroad locomotives refurbished, and on day one he became the railroad's foreman and stayed in that position until he retired on June 6, 2006. So yeah. I mean that's that's a career of yeah. what nearly 35 40 years in the in that same spot. So I mean like I don't know if uh, if Mr. Britton was as huge of a train enthusiast as Walt, but you don't stay on that job if you don't like trains. I yeah, I would admit that. That is some serious job security. Good, Seriously, good this day him. and age, sign me the heck up for that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And another fun little factoid, this is one of the world's most popular steam-powered railroads and it has 3.7 million passengers each year. I think that's I think that's pretty cool. I mean, as many people go through the doors of Disney, both both properties, there's still an appreciation for this. And and I'm I'm sure Walt thinks that is cool too. Yeah, I'm sure he's looking down and smiling when he sees everybody hopping on the train. One thing I will say is, and we can kind of segue this into our personal stories of the train. Just in this past year, in 2017, um, they've changed the morning welcome show at the Magic Kingdom. It used to be that the steam engine was part of the morning welcome show. So you were standing out front. You couldn't go into the park just yet. They had everybody, you know, of course, you went through the line for security and all that. And you're, mm-hmm, you're, yep. you're standing right there looking at the, the Mickey head made out of flowers, looking up at the Main Street Station. And there's people, they come out and they sing to you the good morning song and all that. The train comes rolling into the station, blows the horn. And who's on the train? All of our Disney pals are on the train. And they're there to say good morning to us. <laughs> and it was like such a good way to start the day. And it was really a fun experience. Um they retired that show now, and I know there's a lot of reasons for it, and I'm not and, and I'm not here to tell you it's a good or a bad thing. Now they do the morning show in front of the castle, so people actually get to go into kind of the main street area and the and that and the hub in the middle before the park actually officially opens. And I'm sure that that makes a lot of sense from a logistical perspective. Get everybody and also in a there. business standpoint and a business standpoint. You got <laughs> get to, them in the doors. We got to start selling them churros. Get them in the Starbucks. Get them in the Disney store. All that stuff. Yeah, sure, absolutely. And and then you want a Mickey ice cream head? We got those. Yeah, but but at the same time, I, I will say that uh, part of me is a little sad that I won't ever see the the welcome show with the train rolling into the station again because there was something pretty special about that. Yeah, and and, and I. 
I too am kind of bummed out that we'll never be able to experience that again because that really does feel like the perfect way to start a day at Disney. I mean, you, you said it perfectly. You have all your Disney friends there on the train, toot toot, rolls out of the station. All right, guess what? We are open for business. Let's do this. Welcome to the most magical place on earth. Yeah. Landon, tell me about your Walt Disney World Railroad experience. Do you do you have any memories of riding this train as a little one? The memories I have is just uh, sitting in the train with my mom, my dad, my brother, and us just going around and being able to see the park. And and when when you said a lot of people think this this is just Walt's you know blown up version of his miniature trains, that's a perfect analogy because even I mean me being little and that everything seemed big, but even at that point it was like just seeing the scale of all. That everything within this park encompassed like that's what sticks out to me it's i i don't remember a specific moment where like oh look there's there's you know space mountain or you know hey cool there's thunder mountain railroad but it's just like the entire experience of it all and it really shows you yeah this is what you're about to get into have some fun exactly it's it really is a good way to set it up i i remember riding the train because that's one of those things that even when you're uh, a tiny little scared child you're not going to be afraid to ride the train and I can speak from, you know, local experience here nearby. We have a theme park that some people may know called Dollywood. And they, Shout out to Dollywood. They also have a steam train that, that goes <laughs> through the park. And, and it really is more of just an attraction. It doesn't take you anywhere. It starts and ends at the same place. You know, when I rode the train at Dollywood and, you know, I had this experience and, and it was always one of those fun kind of things to do, pass a little bit of time. But then you go to Disney and it's like, oh, it's it's just another train. No, it's not just another train. This is Walt's train. And it was a totally different experience riding that. And I just remember coming away thinking, gosh, my little train at Dollywood's not so special anymore. <laughs> it's, it's funny you bring up Dollywood because even though I've rode the... I've only rode the railroad, say that five times fast, as a small child, I had that exact same experience after going to Disney World, then we go up to, you know, Pigeon Forge and, and go to Dollywood and ride their train. It's just a train. <laughs> where, where Disney, it's like, it's more than just a train. Yeah, exactly. It's a little bit more magic because the mouse had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that uh, that is the Disney way. Yeah, I, I'm I'm like you. It's been a while since I've ridden the train. Um, I, I definitely want to experience it now uh, when I go back. And it's not something when I took the kids most recently. We we did not do the railroad because we couldn't. Honestly, we were busy going from like e ticket to e ticket. We couldn't squeeze mm-hmm. it in. And uh, and that's kind of a shame, especially with the e ticket stuff. And everybody's so budgeted for time. You're on such a short timeline if you want to get everything in and and i mean i guess you can get the park hopper pass and you know the multi-days but i mean a lot of people that just might not be a a financial option because i mean that stuff does run into money so it is kind of a bummer that the railroad is kind of lower on the list and you know terms of priorities of rides you feel like you need to get in on but but i'm not taking anything away from it it's more than just a train (laughs) it is it is it's an experience. It's a piece of history. You're riding on. You're going to be riding on trains now. That now the passenger trains were built after they acquired the steam engines, but the steam engines were made in the in the 1920 time frame. They're they're really a true piece of history. And steam engines are around the world not not as common as they used to be. They're going to be totally gone at some point. So, you know, it, it's a piece of of nostalgia, and, and it's it's definitely something, especially if you want to kind of. When you want to experience Magic Kingdom from a, a perspective of, you know, what Walt intended it to be, I think that you've got to give some time. And, and maybe you're lucky enough to ride with the Walter E. Disney steam engine. 
um, and, and take the grand circle tour, as it were. Anything else before we wrap up this deep dive? Uh, no, it's been fun, but uh, unfortunately, we're coming up on the uh, Fantasyland stop, and I want to get off and go ride Space Mountain. So I'll see y'all next time. That sounds good. Landon, always a blast. We'll catch you next time. All right. See you then. This portion of the show is really going to be dedicated to interacting with you, our listeners, our friends, our network of Disney lovers out there that we are, you know, speaking to every week. Um, as we've kicked off the show, what, you know, right now we haven't gotten a lot of questions or um, a lot of, we haven't, we haven't really gotten any calls to the voicemail yet because we're just now setting up. We expected it to be that way. Hopefully, during this section, we'll be, you know, in the future, we'll be answering questions, speaking more directly and interacting more directly with you. For this particular show, one of the things that I wanted to do today was just kind of thank some of you who have already been supportive on our Twitter account, which, by the way, is at Morning Monorail. I said it wrong on the first episode. I hope to go back and replace that. So maybe when you hear it, I'm going to say it right. It'll just be me going morning monorail and it'll sound really weird but uh, but yeah i might try to fix that but in the meantime at morning monorail is how you can interact with us i want to say a special thank you to the one little spark podcast who reached out to us on twitter when we kind of made an announcement that the show was coming and they basically just wished us luck with everything and and offered up assistance if we need it and just said we could shoot them a, a little message totally appreciate that thanks for the support guys and and we may very well hit you up on that yeah thank you very much for your support another thing i did and this is something that i'll try to do frequently is put questions out and ask you to respond to those questions give us your opinions your thoughts this one was in related to frozen treats which is something that i think we can all agree is an enjoyable topic and i asked if you could only pick one for the rest of your disney days would you go with Dole Whip or Mickey Ice Cream Bars? Mickey Ice Cream Bars. That's an easy answer for you because you know you can't have Dole Whip. For me, I would go Mickey Ice Cream Bars just because I feel like it's a staple of any Disney trip. You've got to have a Mickey Ice Cream Bar. Dole Whip is great, but I will tell you, after I have like you know several bites of Dole Whip, eventually I'm like, okay, I'm kind of done with this. A Mickey Ice Cream Bar, I don't know. It's a standard. It's, it's like a basic fundamental food to me. Send me your hate mail. Bring it. Uh, <laughs> but I want to say uh, Quirky Fox sound off, and she said Dole, Dole Whip was her favorite. I'm a little jealous of Quirky Fox because I cannot taste the Dole Whip. <laughs> and then Christine, Christine Leo 913 said Mickey ice cream bars for sure. So she's on our side on that one. Thank you, Christine. Yeah, appreciate that. And then I wanted, I wanted to say thank you to one other individual who really, when we kicked this whole thing off, they were the first one that reached out and said anything to us and basically just wished us luck and said they were really excited for what was coming. And that's Disney gratitude. So I have gratitude for you, Disney gratitude. That's at Disney gratitude without the E and a one on the end. So thanks for the well wishes. We appreciate it. And we hope you're listening and tell your friends, spread the word. That's all we ask. Such great gratitude. <laughs> gratitude all around. <laughs> we're a bunch of grateful Disney heads. But right now, I am just feeling that gratitude just kind of throughout because we've only had the Twitter for a couple of weeks now, and we're already up to 130 followers. People are liking, they're retweeting, they're interacting with us. We're getting interaction from and, and support from people that we haven't even had a chance to speak to yet, which is 
it's amazing to me. It's very, it's very encouraging. And I hope that that kind of thing continues and we can build on it. And at the end of the day, our show will probably only be as good as the community that we have around us and, and our listeners. And we won't be anything without you. So, you know, we just, we appreciate you. And from here, from day one, I want to say thank you for being a part of it. We really look forward to hearing um, your experiences as well. Let us know your your favorite things that have ever happened to you while you're at Disney. Um, and if you're just coming back, let us know what what how you uh, saw the parks and what you thought of them. And, and just let everybody know because it's really important that we get all the word out to everyone and, and really uh, talk about how fun this whole thing is and what a great experience it is. We're definitely different when it comes to connecting with strangers. I feel like you can do it pretty easily. There's almost no one who's a stranger to Sam. Like, you you don't have strangers in this world. For, no. me, for me, I tend to, maybe it takes a little bit more for me to find those connections with people I'm just getting to know, but one of the things that can break down walls very quickly is sharing a love of Disney and being able to share stories from the parks or, or things that we love, things that we want to do, things that we have done, that sort of thing. Um, and I think that it really helps for those of us who can't go all the time, can't be in the parks as much as we nearly want to, to be able to just kind of share these stories, be parts of podcasts like this. It gives us just a little a little taste of the Walt Disney World Resort when we can't be there firsthand. So that's what I hope we do for you, and that's what you do for us. So I appreciate that, and I want to keep um, just encouraging you to be part of this show as we go forward. So there's a few ways you can do it. The first is our Twitter account, which is at Morning Monorail, not Monday Monorail, not Monday Morning Monorail, at mon- at, <laughs> mor- at Morning Monorail, Morning Monorail. And that is because Monday Morning Monorail wouldn't fit as a Twitter handle, so we went Morning Monorail. So um, that's how you can connect with us there. Our Gmail is MondayMorningMonorail at gmail.com, and then you can call our voicemail and interact with us verbally if you would like to do such a thing and that number is 407-917-2144 you call the voicemail you're going to hear my dulcet tones and not my high-pitched squealy <laughs> voice <laughs> and i sound like a small child <laughs> <laughs> no you don't but i will give you the cue to leave us your questions comments suggestions and if you would like to come on and share a trip report and talk with us firsthand, live, remotely, we can do that, and we'd love to do that. Share your story with the world. Um, give me some contact details, and I'll reach out to you, and we'll try to make that happen. So, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for sticking with us through these first three shows. I'm sure that when we look back on these in another month or two, we're going to be like, oh my gosh, what were we doing? Um, so if we still have an audience going into next week, I'll be very proud of that. You know what? I can promise you that what we're going to do is keep moving forward, as we said on the Robinsons, right? And grow with us. And we're going to get better every time. Every single time. If you, hey, and like I said, feedback, it doesn't always have to be positive, although we do appreciate the support. If there's things that you want to hear, things you feel like we should change, let us know. We'll try to make adjustments and and, uh, go from there. So it looks like our stop is coming up. Ears up. Good night. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for riding with us today. 
We hope you enjoyed the journey and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Until then, we want to hear from you. Send us questions, comments, suggestions, and feedback on Twitter at Morning Monorail. Our email address is mondaymorningmonorail at gmail.com. You can also call our voicemail at 407-917-2144. As we approach the station, gather your belongings and please watch your step as you exit. See you real soon.